My name is Stephen Blacksmith, and I am a psychopath. As a kid, I always wondered why I didn't laugh at the same things people laughed at, or, or why I never felt bad when a family member died. There was this distance I put between myself and my friends and family. I, I couldn't really connect on any sort of emotional level. And I lived that way for 20-some years before I finally figured out what was so different about me. With the help of therapists, a neuropsychologist, and just looking back at my own history, I discovered that I had psychopathy. It was a liberating experience. As I delved deeper into what it meant to be a psychopath, I embraced this darker side of me. I set out to talk with people about why they are the way they are, and just how much of our lives are ruled and molded by emotion and empathy. I realized that I could look at things without the hindrance of blind emotion. This thing, this psychopathy, isn't a burden to be hidden. This is a tool to be used to benefit my life. This is a dangerous weapon to combat oppression and fight neurotypical human failings. This is what makes the protector, and what makes the outlaw. This is that sexy kind of crazy. Liz Lerman, which I'm pretty sure is where Tina Fey got the uh, Liz Lemon oh, that's character funny. in 30 Rock. I'm pretty sure because um, she seems very much similar. Uh, so we've started. Okay. Uh, nothing, you know, ceremonious there. Um, but who are you? What are you doing in my house? Um, my name's Rowan McKay, and I think we're here to talk about poetry. Poetry. All right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Something like that. I guess we could talk about poetry. Um, I I was very standoffish to do this uh, because ever since I was a wee little boy, I've... Uh, can you hear everything through I your... I can. Okay, yes, good. Yes, thank you. Uh, I absolutely have hated poetry. Okay. And uh, I've tried to get into it so many times. I've tried writing it. Uh, and I, I was just wondering, like, why do I not like this? Like, I like music. Well, not really. I mean, some, some music I really enjoy, yeah. like four bands. Yeah. Um, but like, why do, why do some people enjoy reading poetry, hearing poetry? And then like, I, I it just goes way over my head. I do not like any of it. Uh, yeah. and you like poetry. Yeah. No, I love poetry. Oh, good. Um, well, I mean like first... I, I, I guess I'd like to know um, is I, I have a friend who has trouble sort of understanding metaphors and that sort of thing. That's why sure. he doesn't like poetry. Um, is is it something similar for, for you or? No, no. I like metaphors. Okay. I like uh, analogous things. Okay. I, uh, I like wordplay, things like that. Okay. Um, Shakespeare has some fun stuff. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Shakespeare, but some of it is like I can get it. You okay. Know? Uh, I like I guess I like the logistics of iambic pentameter okay. in Shakespeare. Okay. Um, and then like how he, the same thing for haikus as well. Yeah. You know, how do you get those syllables to hit so yeah. that you actually get it? Yeah. And um, I think that's pretty much the only thing. I don't find any sort of connection with it, but I, I definitely do like the, the mathematics side of that. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. And I, I think that 
there's definitely a quality of that that a lot of people find enjoyable in poetry. That's probably why at least a number of people, um, the people who study it on a regular basis, like it is for those technical aspects. Um, there's just so many different forms um, that people can go through. And uh, and, and like you said, it, it becomes mathematic. The uh, I don't know if you've ever looked at uh, Sistina before, um, but it's an incredibly complex um, uh, mathematical format mm-hmm. um, for for a poetic verse. Um, I I encourage you to look into it. Um, sure. But I don't imagine that most people in, who enjoy poetry enjoy it for the technical part. Uh-huh. Um, wordplay definitely plays a role in it. Um, I myself get really excited when words click together. Okay. Um, the way that I experience language is that there seems to be, I mean, there's a lot of different words to, to choose when you're looking at, um, at developing some sort of meaning. Um, you can Mm -hmm. choose any number of synonyms, um, and they essentially mean the same thing, but they don't mean the exact same thing. Um, and so there's always a exact perfect word to use. Mm -hmm. Um, and in poetry, that comes across not only in the meaning of the word, but in the way the words fit together. Okay. Um, and I mean, like, like you said, you're looking at the iambic pentameter, but you're also looking at, um, even in free verse, the way that the beats match each other um, just sort of clicks together and it flows in a very uh, fluid type of way. Sure. Um, I think that a lot of people who enjoy poetry enjoy it for... Um, the political process. I mean, you have a lot of slam poetry. Um, yeah, slam poetry. I really don't get. Yeah, I've seen a lot of it. A weird, a weirdly, a lot of it in my day. Yeah. And uh, I, I've never liked any sort of slam poetry. Yeah, and and I can kind of understand that. Um, it doesn't follow the same rules as as poetry, and in fact, a lot of academics would consider it to not really be poetry. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, but it, it's wordplay, and. Sure. So, and it has to be acted out, and I think that that's a big part of it. You're you're feeling the energy of the individual who's who's speaking it and performing it, mm-hmm. um, just like any other performance um, type of piece. No, but what you're saying, yeah, I kind of understand that. I'm I'm also very um, anarchic. Is that a word? I think it is a word. Like oh. anarchy, like okay, okay chaotic. Okay. Yeah. Um, where I don't, I don't think there's I, I know that there's perfect words out there yeah uh, and that you know some purists might be like oh that's great I'm gonna use that but I I love using totally random other words yeah. that just mean the same thing yeah because um, I like breaking that flow as well uh, and then when I look back at it the musicians that I do like um, like uh, Motion City Soundtrack uh, Justin yeah. Pierre he he does that same thing as well. Uh, where it's not the most obvious kind of choice, where it, it doesn't quite match up, but um, things are uh, a little more chaotic and for sure. Uh, and I think I, I need that anarchy a little bit. Yeah. And so maybe if I'm, I'm looking at a, a poet from the late 18th century, you know, where they're very classical and they need yeah. that kind of thing, it really drags me down. Well, yeah, and and I think that that's something that a lot of people don't really understand about poetry, and. I'm not saying that everyone's going to love it if they do, but, um, b- 
but I think that when people think about poetry, a lot of times they do think about Shakespeare. They do think about the uh, like Walt Whitman or mm-hmm. the the romantic Elizabeth Elizabethan poets, um, and they don't often take a look at some of the more out there stuff um, as far as like more uh, anarchic type of poetry. It, it exists out there. Sure. You're you're looking at um, uh, moving into the modernist period. Um, with the futurist, you have a lot of people who are breaking rules in very um, interesting ways and uh, and breaking that flow in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you find meaning in where those breaks happen as well. Um, I mean, there's just so much out there. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the beats and flarp, which is this really flarp. weird. Yeah. Ooh, it's, yeah? Um, I, I don't necessarily know that it ever caught on. But it's a um, it's a contemporary form that um, that uses found poetry. So an individual okay. type a phrase um, like just random string of words into a Google search okay. and start pulling out words from the results um, to create okay. a poem. It's 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 really it's like um, God it was an exquisite corpse. Is that it? Something like that where. Uh, uh, someone writes a line, someone writes another line, and someone writes another line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. similar to that. Yeah. Okay, okay, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, so when I think about poetry, and I think I'm not alone in this, a lot of people who probably don't uh, like poetry or get into poetry, uh, we associate it with kind of overbearing emotional uh-huh. attachment to things. Uh-huh. Um, and that's probably why I don't like it, uh, but what you're saying right now with how mathematic it can be, Yeah. Uh, that's definitely appealing in, in more way because uh, I don't really enjoy a lot of melodrama or yeah. something uh, that might be like a pure feeling someone is feeling at one point. Yeah. Uh, so someone could write a poem like this is about when my mother died. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't care. Like, yeah. And no. I mean, that's, that's sort of the thing is I feel like most people think that that's what poetry is. And, mm-hmm. and anytime you have, um, sort of a, a virgining poet um, who who hasn't really studied the art of it at all. Sure. Um, they they tend to talk about these big big things like love and grief and all of that stuff. And those ideas can be found in poems, mm-hmm. but that's not at least the way that I have been trained um, and the way that I sort of look at it and feel that that shouldn't be the centerpiece sure. of any specific work. Um, I mean, uh, they. I'm I'm blanking on a specific name, but um, there are a number of like post World War II um, poets who mm-hmm. who do talk about things like breaking away from tradition. Sure. And um, there's a specific poem that I'm thinking about that's about a uh, a soldier who's walking into a church that's sort of broken apart, um, and the whole thing is essentially describing the absurdity of um, of the structure mm-hmm. of, of religion um, and calling attention to that. Um, and I find, at least for myself, the most interesting poetry comes from talking about those sort of things rather than talking about feelings. Okay. Um, it's, it's about more deeply discussing a specific topic without really discussing it so that you're having a conversation with the reader or the listener, um, where they can fill in part of it, um, and it gets them thinking about it's 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 like a shorthand essay. Sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's more. Um, well, I don't know if it's more. Well, it's more personable. I think that way. Uh, I, I particularly don't like um, when someone recollects about a big emotional thing that they had. Yeah, and they try to put that in a poem. Do they say uh, you feel something for? four seconds you know and uh-huh. then for the rest of your life you're feeling the memory of that feeling never heard that before uh, oh yeah it's crazy that's interesting uh, i can't quote who said it but <laughs> um yeah so it's great but if we know like memory even if it's like the worst feeling you ever had in your life yeah whatever you're trying to recreate is kind of just uh amalgamation of what it actually was yeah you know based on the way your memory has changed and the yeah. way you you misremember the emotions of what you're feeling yeah about that moment so i think it kind of always feels a little bit um a little bit bloated to me i yeah and i can understand that there's actually a poem about that oh really um yeah <laughs> uh it's 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 a individual who's looking at a photograph and mm-hmm. talking about how um how that photograph is the is the memory that they have sure. um rather than having the actual memory um, okay yeah. yeah yeah no that's great yeah and uh, I mean, that's even something like that. Looking at a Polaroid or something yeah. is just proof in the pudding right there, as they say in Alabama. I don't know. I don't know. They say a lot of terrible things in Alabama. Well, don't talk about uh, Alabama. I know. Today, it, this won't premiere for like four weeks or something like that. But today, they just passed the horrible abortion yeah. meal. So we're shitting on Alabama today. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but even looking at a Polaroid, uh, you can you you can say i remember what that smells like but do you really remember what like that moment smells like yeah or, yeah yeah and i think that that's really what poetry is supposed to represent is is like that polaroid mm-hmm. it's supposed to call attention to a moment mm-hmm. um and sometimes that moment is a feeling and sometimes it's um an atrocity like uh who is it uh there was like a now i'm going to get it wrong uh, Venezuelan, maybe, um, general who used to cut off ears. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. And so there's a poem about someone going to have dinner with him. Um, and <laughs> it's a very political piece. Okay. Um, yeah. So. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that's also why I don't uh, don't really understand as well, make those connections on spoken word or just written word. Um, because uh, when you have a... A person with psychopathy, usually it's not just like muted emotions and things like that. Yeah. It's also like diminished sense of smell, diminished sense of really other things like that. Yeah. So um, there are very few things that can like just visually take me back to some sort of feeling. Okay. You know, even if it's like a horribly traumatic thing or a, an amazing thing okay. um, with a very uh, specific signature tone, something like that. Uh, like I took a a really nice trip to Knott's Berry Farms with my family when yeah. I was a kid. And you, when you go there, you smell all the, like the fruits from the trees and all that fun stuff. Yeah. Um, but no piece of writing could ever really take me back there or anything like that. And I think, uh, some people are able to do that. Yeah. And, uh, psychopaths just usually don't have those kinds of things. Um, I have to be physically present where I get the same smell that might take me back to, a memory like that okay um but never like a full embrasure of the memory uh okay. usually just like oh that happened that was cool well you know two seconds later time to move on you know yeah um 
Except for pickles. I don't know why. But the thought of pickles always makes my mouth water. I'm like, man, I really love pickles. You probably see them a little more often, and, and it expresses a very visceral reaction yeah. in your entire body. So I think you're right. I yeah. That's probably, yeah. <laughs> so pickles and Knott's Berry Farms. That's great. Uh, so I did look up, um, if you just Google, can poets be psychopaths? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is not like the the maximum amount of research I usually do for this podcast, okay. but I didn't know where to start. I did find something that I'd never heard of before in psychology called the Sylvia Plath effect. Oh, okay. And it was crazy. Named after Sylvia Plath, of course, who killed herself yeah. uh, when she was 30. Um, it is basically stating after the study of, uh, I think, 1,600 writers that women with mental illness were uh, primarily, like, by a, a pretty vast majority more likely to be poets I, and that's above like more creative types actresses um other like prose writers yeah uh, politicians things like that that's where um you do find actually a lot of psychopaths in yeah. those fields um but the the person i said that i i found this from said yeah psychopaths can be uh, because of the sylvia plath effect which doesn't really take into account what a psychopath really is no it doesn't really seem to explain anything yeah <laughs> i mean it's just saying that uh, women with mental illnesses are more susceptible to becoming poets okay that's basically it um sylvia plath wasn't a psychopath no. at least from what i could see yeah. no i don't believe so have you read uh the bell jar i guess no i've i've never uh, read any of her long work oh okay just poems yeah poetry um yeah, so I, I would like to disagree with that because I think there is a big emotional component to writing poetry. I do. Um, and you do see, like, mathematicians that... I mean, I have seen that before where, you know, uh, Geek Squad over at Harvard yeah. or MIT. I, I don't want to, you know, crap all over nerds right now. Okay, but, uh, <laughs> no, I love nerds. <laughs> oh, good. We're all nerds, yeah, in some way. Um, but, yeah, I, I do uh, see that... They use algorithms to write poetry sometimes. Uh, yeah. I definitely found some AI stuff that we're going to get oh, into that's really in a second. Cool. Yeah, no, I can um, see that. It's going to be awesome. Uh, but I think that Sylvia Plath effect, yeah, it does make more sense. If I mean, if they did have um, some more impactful uh, emotional mental illnesses. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I guess, I mean, I, I obviously don't, I haven't seen the research, so I don't know what exactly might cause that but i'd sure. like to know whether or not that persists especially when you're looking at like back in sylvia last time when there weren't a ton of options available to women sure um yeah. and so writing was really one of the major ways that a woman could escape mm -hmm. um and women didn't have a lot of there wasn't a lot of availability for women to even write novels um, a lot of women had to have, um, pen names or, um, have, uh, men who write, who publish them for them, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Um, so I'm wondering if that might have, um, something to do with it, but I sure. couldn't say. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think you're right. And I, I don't, I think we also see it in men too, of the time. Uh, we see a lot of, uh, male writers killing themselves and yeah. struggling with deep depression and um, we see that in, in painters as well, yeah. uh, people with these uh, heavily creative career fields. And I, I think, I mean, 
it's not always like rosy, deeply like um, empathetic writing too. It's not uh, your love is like the sun, all that no. kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, because when we look at like Emily Dickinson, Dickinson, yeah, Dickinson, yeah, there you go. I was getting her and Charles Dickens there you confused. Go. <laughs> yeah, uh, Edgar Allan Poe. These people who wrote these uh, gothic poems. Yeah, um, also crazy. Yeah, also crazy, but more along the lines of what I like. Yeah. Uh, personally, but then I think it hides this um. This uh, deeply emotional, uh, way of speaking as well, even with Edgar Allan Poe. Hides it in what way? Uh, I think because it wasn't of the time, like uh, it, it wasn't about love or you know any of that kind of nonsense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. they were really branching out and doing their own thing, but. Uh, just because it's uh, gothic or, in Poe's case, it's horror, things like that. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't mean it's not emotional. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. And I, I would actually argue that um, something like love isn't terribly common in poetry. Um, sure. Most of the time it's talking about other emotions or other things. Mm -hmm. It's not all, you know, how how shall I love thee? Let me Roses the are red, yeah. violets are blue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what are... Um, Limericks? <laughs> what if limerick? Yeah, limericks are good too. Uh, but they're they're poetry, but they're just funny, silly things. So but, yeah, uh, comedy is also an emotional connection as well. Uh -huh. um, so we have horror, we have comedy, uh, melodrama, we yeah. have all sorts of things. Yeah. But I think they all have this uh, deep emotional bent to it no matter what. Yeah. And I'm going to argue that till the day I die, people. You know, I... Um. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean... Talking about something that's there, there is there's comedy in it. There's mm -hmm. I, um, I'm forgetting a first name, but the last name is Parker, um, a woman writer in the uh, 1920s. Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, wrote a lot of funny things. Um, a lot of funny things about her ex husband that she hated. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's no, funny. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Yeah, uh, but things like that. I mean, comedy is is a rich area for poetry as well. Yeah, I think so. Cool. Uh, well, let me get to this fun part here. So I got into this like rabbit hole. Okay. Of um, I was wondering because we are talking about like uh, there is some math to it. Yes. There is some math to poetry. Yes. Uh, could we train a computer to write poetry? And there is actually a a freaking a lot of ai poems out there okay um google messed with it for a while with they taught their supercomputers. um theirs are a little weird okay <laughs> but the, i found this great site called uh bot poet okay dot com and they have uh this was this poem written by a human or a computer okay and some of it's kind of tricky so i'm wondering if we can we can do this. Yeah, yeah, we can we can go through so, it. Let's go a few and uh, see if we can do this. Oh, am am I supposed to be guessing which one it was written? Yes, by? definitely. Oh, boy. We'll both guess here. Okay. Because we won't know until we choose. Okay. All right. Uh, this one's called Find. Listening to Find, she hides deep within her, yet in mortal reach. That's it. That's all of it. Can you read it again? Listening to Find. She hides deep within her, yet in mortal reach. I'm going to say computer. 
I think I'm going to say computer too. Let's check it out. Oh, we were right. Oh, wow. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't exactly There there are some specific uh I don't want to call them rules. Um but uh some things that I would flag in a workshop um sure. in in that specific piece, I think. Okay. Yeah, I got you. Well, we didn't talk about the Liz Lerman technique. Oh, well, we can. <laughs> okay, so this bugs me, and it's not just a poetry thing. It's it's like any sort of writing. Uh, it's Liz Lerman doing this like very safe zone kind of thing, safe space. Okay. Um, where it's not just like I'm all for criticism, like whatever it is, just lay it on the table. Okay. Do, uh, I'm gonna read you my thing, and then you tell me whatever the hell you want. Okay. And that's fine. Uh, but the Liz Lerman technique, um, it's more like uh, you have nine characters in your story. I'm going to be like, okay, but can I talk to you about Bill in the second scene, specifically what he says to Karen? And I have to ask you in that sort of way, like very gently, like, can I tell, can you talk to me about that? Okay. And then you could say, nah. No, I don't want to talk about that. Oh, or, that, yeah. that doesn't sound helpful at all. No, no, it doesn't. I'm actually not familiar with the Liz Lerman technique, so. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, what's the point, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I definitely get the idea of um, making sure that you are very specific about what you talk about in a workshop, mm-hmm. um, making sure that you are not being prescriptive when you're workshopping information, you don't want to tell someone it should be like this um, yeah. because maybe they don't want it to be like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I certainly yeah. don't think that uh, that valid criticism that's not being cruel um, mm-hmm. should be withheld. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. And then, I mean, I don't think you should shut yourself off to things either. No. I mean, you can choose whether to take the criticism, but just hear it. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, the Japanese maple. I'm sorry, just Japanese maple. I don't want to. That's the title. <laughs> yeah. The Japanese maple sits still in weak wind. Some of the leaves tap the air and tease the ground, but they don't detach because it's not quite time to fall. I'm going to say human. Ooh, man. I'm going to say bot. Okay. Let's check it out. Oh, you were right. Yay. Oh, it was written by Tyler Fugazi. That's weird. Fugazi. Is it a Japanese last name? F-U-G-A-Z-I? Uh, A-Z-Z-I-E. Oh, so it's like okay. Italian. Because yeah. I used to work at an Italian sandwich shop, okay. and they had a Fugazi okay. sandwich. I don't know what it means. If we have any Italian listeners, please write in. Um, he is quiet. Oh, that one's too long. I don't want to read that. I'm just going <laughs> to say it's a bot. Oh, oh my geez. God, it was a bot. Let's see if it's good. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> he is quiet. He is Paul, the man I chant about, and he is quiet because his pants are very long. Oh, oh it's already it's bad. Already, it's yeah. already really bad. We could have guessed that one. Okay, this one's a little better. Best is best. Oath us to make a thousand groans like two morning eyes. The best is best that every pen hath left the article. Verse in a torment me travel. Ah, oh, never saw that with fortune. Who's the better best? My poor beauty lies with the face. Painting my out the tinkering worse have often. 
See, that one's just weird enough that I think some weirdo poet out there wrote it. I mean, there there are definitely <laughs> um, experimental methods yeah. um, that that it that might be similar to, but it doesn't. I, I feel like it doesn't evoke enough images mm-hmm. um, to really have meaning. Um, that sort of thing I would expect to, if it were written by a person, um, be like a redacted poem. Sure. Um, which is a weird form. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say bot. All right, I'm gonna say bot too, just because of the the weird wording. Oh, we were correct, but most people thought it was a human. Huh? They shows what people think about poetry, I guess. <laughs> Let's do one more real quick. Okay. Let's find a good one. Okay, this one. <laughs> maybe, maybe. No, it's called Rough Girls. Okay. The moon rises like a small shore. Cold, lively lads swiftly desire a sunny, misty ship. Ah, desolation! Goals travel like rough girls. I'm honestly going to say that's a person. I'll say that, yeah. Yeah? Oh, my God! Incorrect. That was oh, written wow. by a bot. We, we finally got one wrong. Oh, man. So it's possible. Yeah. Cold, yeah. heartless machines can write good poetry. So I guess psychopaths can write good poetry, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I used to write poetry back in, like, high school, but I, like, give it to girls and stuff, and they seem to really enjoy it, so... Was it the actual poetry, or was it the fact that you gave it to them, though? Oh, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I like to think I'm a pretty okay writer. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen some of your work, so... Oh, good, so. thank you. Uh, so I think that there's definitely like uh a means to emulate poetry okay what do you Um, what do you mean by that uh i think that it can be written by a person who doesn't necessarily know a lot about poetry but in a very like um facade kind of way where maybe if someone who was reading it who didn't know much about poetry might think it's it's nice like it's it's a good poem it's uh, but it's all just kind of like a glamour. There's no real meaning to it. Like you're talking about uh, the mathematics behind it and how words actually mean things. Yeah. But if like I were to write a poem, it's going to be uh, the most kind of showy, flowery kind of thing I can think of. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, I don't know. Um, I can agree and disagree with that. Sure. Um, I think that you would at least have to have a knowledge of, of different formats um, to do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you might be able to convince someone who's not terribly familiar with poetry, um, but there's a lot that goes into a poem. Um, there's a, it, specifics on what sort of words make the strongest line breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, the last word in a sentence is the strongest word in the sentence. The last word in verse is the strongest word in the verse. And the last word in the poem is the strongest word in the poem. Um, that sort of stuff that isn't, yeah. um, isn't as well known by people who don't study it. Um, sure. I find that a lot of people who um, haven't studied it uh, use a lot of Latinate words, mm-hmm. um, which don't hold a whole lot of images. Um, sure. In sure. Uh, but, I mean, that's probably what I would definitely do. <laughs> yeah, no, and and it it feels very natural um, in English to do that because those sound really great and they yeah. seem to connect to emotion, um, and people feel like that's what poetry means is connection to emotion. Uh-huh. But you're not 
at least, yeah, no. Um, you're, you're not supposed to be telling someone that this is the emotion that they're feeling. You're supposed to be evoking that emotion in them. Sure. Um, and it, the only way to evoke it is to give strong images. Um, and that's, that's what makes up a strong poem. Um, and there were very strong images in that, that last poem that we had that was written by a bot, yeah. um, which is why it sort of fooled me. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, um, even the smallest poem, uh, can take years and years and years to write. Um, uh, what's his name? Walt Whitman. Oh, no, That's no. the only Whitman. one I know. <laughs> no, 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 no. Ezra Pound. Ezra Pound. Ezra Pound. Um, back in uh, the modernist period, um, at the time, wrote the shortest poem that had ever been written. It was, it's two lines. Oh, wow. Um, it's in the station of the metro. Um, and it's, it goes like this. Um, in the station of the metro. Apparitions of faces in a crowd. Petals on a wet black bow. And that's it. Um, and it took him you know, somewhere between two and five years to write those two lines. Oh, my um, God. Yeah, no, and, and he, <laughs> he was actually working on it um, to, to sort of get it right. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like people don't necessarily think that it takes that long sure. um, because they are so short. Wow. Yeah. Maybe I'm just like, uh, not into poetry because I'm lazy. <laughs> oh no, I don't know that you're lazy. I just feel like it's not, it's not something that it, the only introduction that people have to poetry mm -hmm. is in, is in, you know, high school when all you read is Robert Frost. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. lots and lots of Robert Frost, which I'm not going to shit on Robert Frost. Robert Frost is pretty great. Um, but if, his specific blend of poetry isn't something that you're interested in, then you're not going to be interested in poetry if you think that sure. that's all that it has to offer. Um, and there's just so much more. Um, going back to the a lot more experimental stuff, um, you do find things that are way out there that I think that um, a lot of people who aren't as interested in the um, like traditional poems, the way that, um, words fit together, that sort of stuff mm -hmm. might find a lot more interesting. Um, you've got redacted poems where, um, words are, you have a full page of script and, uh, specific words are redacted and you're only supposed to read, um, one word. There's one specific poem that's, um, written by the artist Man Ray. Um, do you know of Man Ray? No. Oh, okay. Um, Man Ray, uh, he's a surrealist. Um, he worked with, uh, who's that famous surrealist? Dolly? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's worked with Dolly and that, that sort of stuff. Ran in the same crowds. Um, and he writes this poem that's called, uh, it's like Paris 1922 or Paris 1929. I, I can't remember exactly what, what the date is. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a full page of redacted poem. That's all it is. There aren't any words in the entire poem it, except for Paris 1922 at like oh, wow. a footnote at the bottom. That's awesome. Um, and I read one like that recently. It's, um, it's called the Mueller report. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That one's real good. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. I'll have to check that out. That's, uh, that's yeah. Experimental. I'll say that. Yeah. yeah. But that sounds really cool. 
honestly. Yeah, and I that's that's where I find that I get most excited about poetry is mm-hmm. when you really have to dig into um, something to figure out what is going on in the poem. Not not even necessarily the meaning, but to make these interesting connections. Um, uh, find the math in it. Um, I studied poetics, mm-hmm. so um, so I'm one of those people that goes through and I count the feet and count sure, the meters yeah. and try to find meaning in that, um, which not everyone does, and it's not for everyone, but... Um, I do it with Shakespeare. It's yeah, fun. it's yeah. fun. I, I think it's fun. Yeah, yeah, and I do too. I think it's fun as well, but just in Shakespeare, I don't know how to do it in any other poem. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like, it's the same everywhere. Oh, good, good, yeah. yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Well, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> sort of codified. So. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll have to check that out. Uh, that's a good note to leave on. Thank you so much for coming by, telling us about poetry. I sure learned a lot. Good. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you learned, and I hope that other people uh, take a look at some poetry and, and, and find something that they might like, because there's a whole lot out there that just people don't understand, I think. Oh, good. Awesome. Let's check it out. Thank you. Thank you. <sighs> I didn't prepare for this. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I definitely cool. didn't prepare yeah. for this. So <laughs> No? Well, you didn't need to prepare because you wrote a book already. Okay. <laughs> so that's it. You already did all the work. <laughs> I haven't done anything. No. Uh, I did prepare for this, but... Not this part in particular because we're just talking. Yeah, there you go. Um, who are you? What are you doing in my house? What's going on? Okay, um, I'm Abigail Goldstein. Uh, okay. I'm in your house because you put out word on Facebook that you were looking for cool people. And I didn't think I qualified, but for whatever reason, <laughs> here I am. Specifically, I said cool people. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's a very presumptuous of you. Or, yeah, it's narcissistic, too. Maybe a little. Yeah. <laughs> That's another episode we did yesterday, actually. <laughs> narcissism? <laughs> uh, serial killers, but narcissism was huge on that list. It kind of has to be. Yeah. But you're a poet. I'm a poet. Cool. What kind of poet? Um, I want to say, like, just starting, like a beginner, maybe a uh, breaking in poet. Sure. Did you ever see um, Deaf Poetry Jam? No, I didn't. It's like Deaf Comedy Jam. Okay. I don't know if you ever saw Def Comedy Jam. Nope. Oh, okay. Def Comedy <laughs> Jam was in like the 90s, early 2000s, something like that. It was on HBO and it was like very urban kind of comics mm-hmm. and they would go in and they'd basically do sets on like stand-up comedy and then HBO put out Def Poetry Jam or Def Poetry Slam, something like that. Okay. And it was just poetry slams. Okay. Cool. So. No, I haven't. <laughs> so you're not a Def Slam poet. Mm-mm. Um, no. But are you a slam poet? I've never done slam. No. no, no. I don't even know what that is. I've been to some, but I couldn't like tell you what that is just off the top of my head. Like what slam poetry is, what's different about it than normal poetry? Um, usually slam is a lot more performative. So okay. it's written, it's written to be performed instead of written to be read, if that makes sense. Yeah, I got you. So like you'll notice in slam poetry, people do a lot more. Um, rhyme they do a lot of a lot more literary stuff that makes it easy to memorize and easy to deliver oh that makes sense yeah in a performative uh way i don't usually write like that <laughs> i kind of just no. vomit on paper well that's fine 
<laughs> uh, slam poetry is weird. Every show that I've seen, too, I'm not a big fan of it. And there's a, like a great Parks and Rec joke where Leslie Nope's like, "To be a slam poet, you just talk like this," and that's pretty much what I saw yeah. every single time I went. That's not inaccurate at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great! Uh, but do you go to poetry readings? Have you ever done it in front of a crowd? Um, I have gone to poetry readings. I haven't done many poetry readings. Um, I did a few on some magazine releases where I had a piece published Sure. and like read in front of the, the crowd that gathered for the release or whatever, but I haven't like gone to a reading for a reading's sake. Okay. I'm not, like I said, I'm kind of breaking into the poetry scene. Sure, but did you do like a reading at a tidal wave when your book released? I did. I did. So nice. How was that? <laughs> that was. It was pretty good. I was anxious about it because mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I I have major imposter syndrome about having a book. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, why? Why do I matter, and why do people want to read my work? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so reading was like, um, was like trying to keep myself out of my own head and not like while I'm trying to perform, convince myself sure. that I am dumb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, uh, I mean, everyone has that, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, being an actor, you know, going on stage, it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. I don't, it, yeah. I don't think, I mean, I am impressed by you guys because if I had imposter syndrome, every time I stood up to perform, I'd quit. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little easier as an actor because you're someone else anyway. Yeah, that's true. true. Um, what if you were like, uh, you killed your twin, assumed her life, wrote a book, got up in front of people. So you're like an imposter. Actual yeah, imposter. Having imposter syndrome. Do, don't you think somebody who is an actual imposter has like found a way to separate themselves from that? Oh, maybe. Cause Maybe. Because how else do you, like, get up the courage to be an imposter? <laughs> I don't know. I guess your life would be, like, way worse than your doppelganger's life. And then it's a little bit better. It's always possible. Yeah. You don't, like, assume someone's life as a downgrade, you know? No. I mean, the grass is always greener, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it, Leaves I, of grass. Leaves of grass. That's another book of poetry. That is. Uh, <laughs> so... Why poetry? Why? Um, you can write anything in the world. I Well, for one thing, I suck at writing fiction because um, not very imaginative and okay. can't make up worlds. So all of my fiction ends up being like vaguely based on reality. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> Which some people like that, but I, I prefer more. I prefer to write nonfiction. So I actually started writing short stories, like memoir shorts. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, and that was the first thing I got published. Oh, so cool. I did like what a What was that about? I did a brief, um, gosh, I want to say it was only like 10 pages or something. Okay. Um, about growing up down south in Berlin. Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. Berlin. So um, I like had this like enchanted childhood or at least I felt like it when I was in my childhood and like was the girl that got to have horses and fun stuff like that. Oh, That's cool. Yeah. And then I moved to Albuquerque and I was like, this sucks. Everything's concrete and asphalt and I hate it. No horses. No horses. So I wrote a lot about like the change from like 
dichotomies and changes from old to new and from yeah. country to city and that kind of thing. And so and Belen's not that far away. It's not. It's only yeah. like 45 minutes or something. Exactly. So it's it's weird to be that close to like a vastly different life. Yep. Yeah, yeah totally. So Were that's you watching Bless This Mess. I haven't seen that. You should see it. It's like the opposite. Like city folks go live in the country in like Nebraska or something like that. Is that that documentary? No, it's a sitcom. Oh, okay. Or a multicam sitcom. Okay. I'm thinking of something different, but that I'm sounds sure fun. I'm sure there is, yeah. There's probably a documentary out there. Okay, bless this mess. I'll have yeah. to remember that. Yeah, check it out. Uh, weird free promotion. <laughs> uh, well, it just got renewed for season two, so we're good. Cool. Um, what what made you decide to write a book then? Like, um, of poetry. Okay, That's so that's a big commitment to do something like that. It, yeah, it, it was kind of accidental. I okay <laughs> when I stop when I. Trans transitioned from nonfiction to poetry mm-hmm. as kind of just like a way to process, like if I was having thoughts, if I couldn't sleep at night, if I was anxious or stressed out, sure. I'd write some poetry, get it out of my system. It was a good like, I don't know, coping mechanism. Yeah. But I didn't think it was any good, and so I would just write a poem and like toss it out into the ether. Okay. Um, and then I, I'm an English major, so I started taking classes at UNM and like had to actually work on it Uh, yeah (laughs) pretty much um but i uh, met a girl in one of those classes who was interested in having kind of a um more back and forth relationship where we would write for each other Mm -hmm. and then edit for each other and then so we spent a year writing together editing each other's work and submitting poetry yeah which is how i got like you know piece here piece there in some magazines but uh nice eventually we kind of got <laughs> well you're published that's good I'm published it's fun i'm, yeah. I'm like not, people get that's really excited like, about yeah. it but well, that's like, good it's magazines it's different my dad has like 12 self-published books of poetry yeah uh i don't think he's ever been published in a magazine yeah it's uh, a little yeah. different yeah but that's prestigious yeah yeah I, I like to put it on transcripts oh good <laughs> <laughs> um no i got to, i got i got bored basically with okay. like the write a poem edit a poem submit a poem get a rejection letter yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> um so we decided to work on a bigger project and took the so the book i published it's like table of contents is the original poem oh cool um, and then my friend had me write a poem that was like um I took the word, mm-hmm. so I took each word of the original poem and I wrote a definition poem. So like I, I went to you know Webster's and I was like, okay, the definition of the C is blah blah blah, and used that as my jumping point into oh. some prose. Is that where you got the title of the book? Mm-hmm, the last file, lover of the sea. There you go. Yep. Cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So that's a bit of your process, and then it was did you like just have a collection of poems. Yeah. So I wrote. Um, it took me a year to write all the poems and mm-hmm. edit them. Uh, and then I built the manuscript and kind of like formatted it the way I kind of wanted it to be seen. Sure. And then I submitted it to like, I want to say 20, it was 22 or 23 different chapbook contests. Okay. Yeah. Um, and none of them picked it up. Oh, man. And then I went to... Um, <laughs> I did that with screenplay contests. Yeah. Like they don't get picked up, but... Um, <laughs> rejection is sucks. it sucks <laughs> um i went to a haunted house in october 
okay with some friends yeah. from the theater scene here in albuquerque sure yeah <laughs> um and one of them was like oh hey i work for this publishing company we're doing a contest you should submit your work and i was mm. like oh. <laughs> so the the group that eventually picked the manuscript up was mm -hmm. um swimming with elephants which is locally based that's cool yeah yeah so um like you said it's it's different from like magazines and that it's local and it's mm -hmm. it's small um we were it it's a small company that works with small businesses and but i like that because it's yeah, it's the albuquerque fine. spirit you know <laughs> yeah i mean even our biggest publishing company university of new mexico publisher or whatever that's called mm -hmm. um i mean it publishes a ton of stuff but mm -hmm. uh like even that's just super local too yeah you know totally. so i mean y you can't say anything bad about local publishers no not at all yeah they're awesome and they work their asses off yeah they, do. they really do and the nice thing is like um now that i have a relationship with them mm -hmm. i have somewhere where i can you know if i get serious about actually writing for writing's sake and not sure yeah <laughs> not a hobby i could i could put together more manuscripts and talk to them about publishing so and that's i i had never considered that like that wasn't my sense of direction but it kind of happened and yeah now that the door's there i kind of want to explore it <laughs> that's cool yeah so just kind of stumble into this yeah potential career maybe yeah or yeah. at least you know side hustle yeah there you go that's <laughs> what the milk and honey person did yep yeah yeah ruby cower right i maybe i don't know milk and honey i think is Never ruby read cower. It. i i <laughs> follow a lot of like i don't know poetry on instagram is becoming a huge thing mm-hmm um and so like rupee cower is one of those um are not rl stein that's the horror writer well i don't know might branch out rh stein rh stein maybe there's another stein <laughs> oh maybe <laughs> or is it stin whatever obviously i don't know what i'm talking about there's a stint wrote all those books about mouses mice which mice like i don't know sl <laughs> stinton Something oh, like that. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Stinton did write. Um, I'm trying to remember. I used to work at a Barnes and Noble. I just saw <laughs> these names randomly. Oh, see, there you go. I work from. I work at my mom's bookstore, so like. Yeah, that's right. It kind of gets. You want to promote that real quick? It, sure. Yeah, my <laughs> my mom uh, and her business partner own Tidal Wave Books in Albuquerque. It's like the third largest in Albuquerque. Nice. So it's it's like little you know mom and pop shop. It's cute. It's out of the way, but. I like it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I've worked there since I was 14. So, Good. yeah. It's my Death first. to Barnes and Noble. I mean, no. BNN's cool. BNN's uh, cool, but like, shop local first. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Death to Borders. Death oh, wait, sorry, guys. Too late. <laughs> sorry, guys. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I'd say death to Amazon, but let's face it, we all rely too much on Amazon. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I got all this crap through Amazon. I mean, like, a. There's no way I could have afforded all my textbooks throughout college without Amazon, but... Oh, yeah. No, I hear you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Save like 98%. Um, <laughs> no one knows. Uh, what kind of poetry do you like? I mean, you like poetry. I personally don't, That's but you fair. do. That's fair. Um, I, I like to, you know, be cool and say, oh, I like this, like, really in-depth, deep and personal poetry, but I don't. Mm -hmm. I really like the, like fluffy romantic stuff interesting i yeah. like the poetry where i can like sit and read the book in like like 30 minutes and be done with it okay you don't <laughs> like the overly complicated kind of I stuff i don't want to have to think too hard about it interesting i don't like to read and like my head hurt after i read yeah 
So, <laughs> and that's, that's interesting because the friend that I write with, mm-hmm. she writes really like intricate, deep, meaningful poetry yeah. that I'm just like, I think it's great. I don't know what it means, but I think it's great. <laughs> Every word means something. Right. I guess. Oh, uh, like, yeah. yeah. We were talking with Rowan, uh, who was our guest doing like the, the intricacies of uh, poetry. Uh, they were saying that it's it's very mathematical sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, there's a whole process and every word means something, but every freaking uh, letter in those words means something like the pacing of, of the sentences and the structure. Like Totally. I could only have 12 letters in this one sentence and the, because it mm-hmm. won't flow with anything else. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's, me. got, it's got meter. It's got, I mean, if you think back to like, you know, um, my actual day job as being a teacher. So yeah. when we teach kids poetry, we teach them like, you know, iambic yeah. tetrameter yeah. and like how to count the feet in a poem. And, you know, they do, they write sonnets, they write odes. And like, that's very like Haikus. structured. Yeah. Yeah. Like the five, seven, five. And, yeah. um, and I, I like that kind of poetry, but I've never written that kind of poetry. I, okay. I guess I'm kind of a rebel. I don't like to be held in the confines of like, a form yeah. so i write really loose prose that's fine which borders yeah. on being actual like nonfiction. okay <laughs> <laughs> that's fine i mean like i'm perfectly happy with that i'm the same exact way uh people when i write scripts people can change whatever the hell they want mm-hmm. um i don't care about it like uh someone like david mamet mm-hmm. in his plays every word has to be said you know verbatim because every word means something right it's like whatever you got the gist say it very few things are going to mean, you know, more than they look on paper. Yeah. Yeah. And if like they change it too much, I'm like, no, you're changing the meaning of something. But, right. Um, There's room to grow. And yeah. wiggle, you know, yeah. But if you do this kind of poetry, like, oh, this is a beautiful kind of phrase and whatever, it doesn't have to doesn't have to exactly uh, adhere to that math, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, I'd say the only like real structure I usually stick to is um not end of the line rhymes like in songs because i think those are kind of lame sure then yeah. you get stuff that sounds like nursery rhymes uh-huh. <laughs> but i like slant rhyme yeah um so like and this is where it kind of starts to border on slam it's very performative because sure. i write what it would sound like out loud mm-hmm. and so those slant rhymes where it's like the sound in the words is kind of the same throughout the whole poem sure I like that, but that's about as intricate and focused as I get. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. And everyone has like their own preferences too. Um, like uh, in in rock music, I like slant. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I hear a rapper not rhyming, I'm like, oh god, I can't listen to this. <laughs> that's just terrible. Like Cardi B does it, or you know whoever else is new. I don't listen to these people. Totally. But Angie does. So yeah. hey. Uh, I guess that's the new <laughs> thing. Uh, trap music does that too. It's not rhyming they don't at rhyme. all. Yeah, it bothers the hell out of me. It's like that's yeah. rap music. It's rhyming. How do you? Uh, I mean, not to not to get too like English major on you, but like the whole idea behind music and poetry mm-hmm. was to have those. You know, the meter and the rhyme was there so that you could memorize it because yeah. it was born out of oral tradition exactly. before we wrote yeah. stuff down. So it's like. I'm not going to remember this song if it doesn't rhyme. Yeah, exactly. But so difficult. But I don't like I don't write poetry to be remembered, and that's why I'm not good at slam. 
<laughs> oh, you'd be a terrible Greek poet. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> nobody could nobody could look at my book and be like, oh yeah, I'll memorize this. No. Oh, a bull. No way. I'm sure someone could. You know, okay, from the from the mind of a poet and mm-hmm. a musician, less than an actor. I suppose an actor could could Oh yeah. yeah. Absolutely like a monologue. But then you had like those uh I don't even know what they're called. The the people who did recite Greek poetry back in the actual mm-hmm. times of ancient Greece, uh, they were both they were poets and actors. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's weird that there's that split there too. Yeah, it's very. Well, strange. I guess not with slam poets. I mean, I suppose Ugh. they're both performative. <laughs> yeah. In a way, I I think poetry has become less, um, less stage performance and more, like. The author stands behind the book and lets the book do the talking or lets the work do the talking. I just don't like you go to a reading and then someone has a book, their book out there and then they say it so softly like, <laughs> here's my poem and this and is it. Really, yeah. really quietly and you're just they like. Do. <laughs> <laughs> and then they gently close the book when it's done and a single tear sheds. <laughs> and then yeah. people like. Like a palm yeah, clap, like little, golf clap. There you go. Or they do that the snapping oh, the thing. Oh, sna- I hate the snapping thing. <laughs> That's dumb to me. But when I went to those uh, slam poetry things, um, yeah, there was a lot of snapping. Yeah. Which I think is just terrible. And now they're doing it with acting too. Sometimes. I've noticed at some of the comedy shows lately, people oh, snapping yeah. instead of clapping, and I'm like, No, please. Where, where are yeah. we? <laughs> if I'm doing stand-up, clap. clap for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't boost by like performance if people are just snapping yeah no man yeah i'm not into it (laughs) this i part of why i i feel like i'm just barely breaking into the poetry scene is that like i feel like maybe i'm a little too judgmental or maybe i'm a little too quirky and like i don't quite fit there (laughs) sure yeah i'm like i think the snapping thing is dumb and also i think you'll think i'm dumb so (laughs) (laughs) no that's good that's valid well We'll see what happens. <laughs> You're just blacklisted for the rest of your life because of this podcast. You can never come back to the poetry oh, no. scene. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the yeah. most powerful person in poetry. I want to see that person. <laughs> just w- what are they doing? Yeah, I'm trying to think. So I want to say in Albuquerque, it's got to be Hakeem Bellamy, right? Uh, probably, yeah. I want to say. Uh, well, there's... um. Jimmy Santiago Baca. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just read his his most recent publication. Um, oh, yeah. I saw that. I didn't read it, What is it? When I Walk Through That Door, I Am. Maybe. It's beautiful. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Just read his scripts. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's a he's a great author. Heck, yeah. So. Learned it in prison. Hey, Albuquerque's got, uh, Albuquerque boasts some really great art and artists. That's true. To be fair. And most of them learned it in prison. <laughs> Most of them, <laughs> most of them had their English classes. In, <laughs> I think of this because so I'm I'm job hunting right now. Yeah. Okay. And um, there's an English, like an English ten position at the juvenile detention center. Oh, interesting. And so I was yeah. like, hmm, <laughs> maybe I could go teach at the juvie and like, yeah. you know, help bring up Albuquerque's next best beats. It's like that Michelle Pfeiffer movie. Did you see that one? No. Where she's like teaching the inner city kids. No. Like Coolio is in it, I think. I I got to be honest with you. I I don't like I don't watch movies unless Steven shows me. Oh, that's interesting. Well, he's a teacher too, so you think he'd show you all the teacher movies to Sir with Love, that one with the Battlestar Galactica guy. <laughs> Can't think of it. No. Nope. But it's really good. No, not, uh, none of those. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, 
Oh. I mean, the last one, yeah. the last movie we watched was John Wick. So we're trying to ki- catch up on John Wick so we can watch the new one. Oh, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> fine, too. You learn a lot from John Wick. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. But, yeah. No. <laughs> it's kind of like visual poetry. Yeah. That's what we call film theory, people. I didn't do an episode on film theory. How did I not do one that this season? I mean, that's dumb. Put it in the pocket. Do it later. I got my degree in film theory. I'm st- that's stupid. I'm sure you know a ton of people who could help you with that one. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, poetry. Yeah, you brought your book. I did, or the you know the 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 version on my phone. Oh, a PDF version. <laughs> the PDF version. Uh, did you want to read something? I can. What's the most heart wrenching one? Oh, jeez. I'm just kidding. I'll read you the original that it came from. And then I'll read one that kind of like sums it up a little bit. So the original was originally called The Sea because Mm -hmm. I'm not creative. Sure. Uh, It's now called Thalassophile. So it goes, to free her sea, she must write wild words that match floods as if she might drain oceans with only pen and page. She cannot tame crashing thoughts. Torrents, crests, tide, tongue. Nevertheless, she tries again. So that's See? the title piece. That's nice. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the name of your book, and you're like, ah, that's the that's it's cool. Right. I'm not like <laughs> you're not a fan of it. It's not that I'm not a fan. Like I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. Sure. And I spent a lot of time on it, but I, again, it's the imposter syndrome thing. Like, oh, it's okay. hard for me to believe that people like actually like it and aren't just being nice to me oh i do that with literally everything (laughs) and it's terrible and i just i don't even care for their like thoughts if i do finish a piece or do like a stand-up or something like Mm -hmm. that and someone comes up to me and they're like that was really great like yeah yeah that's nice you're lying thanks you're my fourth cousin you would say that yeah (laughs) (laughs) i know and i i feel bad because i i should just trust that like people are gonna People are going to be nice to me and that's okay. But like, yeah. I don't know. There's a part of me that feels like, um, there's a part of me that feels like I still have some work to do before I like trust myself to be proud sure. of it. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. No, but, um, always growing. You know, yeah. Something that really helped me is, I got, I can't remember who it is now. It was like Anthony Hopkins or someone like that. Yeah. Um, which I don't believe it's Anthony Hopkins because he's a bit narcissistic. But uh, <laughs> they were talking about the same thing as like even, you know, winning Oscars and stuff. When people came up to them, they're like, they didn't believe what they were saying, any of the praise they were being given. Yeah. And then he thought like one day, um, he was saying on like Conan or something like that. He thought to himself, wait, I'm just crapping all over their opinions. Like who am i to say what they think is good right and i've always thought of that like i can think that i'm not as good or i flubbed a line or something like that um but someone else could think i'm the greatest thing in the world sure and it's still like very imposter syndrome like i still don't believe it but it's um it's helps a lot to like accept the praise yeah just to like yeah i you know i think it was um neil gaiman Sure. Said something similar about imposter syndrome. Like every artist experiences it because we don't like, you know, we pour ourselves into things and then like it's vulnerability to put it out there for people to see. And I think imposter syndrome is kind of like a, is kind of like a coping mechanism or like a protection, right? Mm -hmm. If I say I'm not that great or if I come sit here and I'm like, 
it's okay, but it's not amazing. <laughs> yeah. Then I protect myself from people who really don't think it's amazing. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Sense. But um, but I'm trying to like train myself to just be like, thanks. That's good. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> uh, I thought of something that was really, I did a play and I thought it was really good. Like the only thing I've ever done in my life that I thought was really good. Yeah. And a good friend of mine came up to me and it was like, Hey, that was good. Keep working on it. Ah. I'm like, oh, come on, dude. <laughs> the one time. <laughs> Ridiculous. Oh man, that's a bummer. Yeah, well. Uh. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm definitely the like, the person who will work on it and work on it until it's mm -hmm. like, doesn't look like it originally. Sure. Yeah. Um, just because I'm afraid of like afraid of putting it out there and like letting it be done. <laughs> Yeah, like okay. this, like this uh, manuscript, getting it back from the publishers and then being like, okay, like, you know, make some last minute adjustments, but like no major adjustments. And I'm looking cool. through it going, oh no, I need to like, I need to fix everything. Oh, wow. Really? Okay. Yeah. Just at, even at that point thinking like, oh, I would have changed this line or maybe I would have rearranged this a little bit here. Um, I didn't end up making a lot of changes because I was like, I just need to, you know, namaste and let it go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, but. Um, so I've started, so I, um, shameless plug here and working on a second project right now. Okay. Um, and I decided to, to do the thing that scared me the most, which was write poetry. I can't edit. Oh so man, that's cool. I went to, um, Home Depot and picked out like every single one of their like paint color chips <laughs> and okay. left with a stack, like, like a foot long stack of paint chips. Um, and I just write a poem on a paint chip every day. Oh, that's really cool. It's cool, but it's like anxiety Yeah. to like, look at this and be like, oh man, I can't, <laughs> this I can't, is garbage. I can't fix I it. I used the wrong your, <laughs> <laughs> damn it. I don't, oh man, I don't even want to know if I misspelled things like it's over, but yeah, it's gonna, it's a long project. It's, it's easily going to be, um, probably for the next year I'll still be writing. Oh wow. And then I will work on splitting them up into maybe categories of some sort sure tossing the ones that just suck plain and simple are you um inspired by the colors ever? yeah okay. absolutely in fact th so the colors come with these little names right yeah sure. so sometimes the name will be the thing that i jump off of oh that's cool okay so either or um but sometimes when the name's like uh it's just like this color blue like parisian blue mm -hmm. like i don't what, do I, what am i supposed to write about that so <laughs> then i'll just write a little bit about my day or something yeah it ends up being kind of like a journal entry. Sure, yeah. So this set is going to be probably very intimate, and we'll see where it goes. That's too bad you're not 16. <laughs> that would be fun journal entries, yeah. Like it would be, oh, did you see um, Sonder, the last Sonder show? Uh, no. No? So um, <laughs> one of the... One of the folks in the local theater mm -hmm. realm did this really cute little show. It ended up being kind of heart wrenching, but I heard that different people got different things. Okay. Where she like she pulled out her journals from when she was a teenager and like read from them. Okay. And you just got to like sit in the room while she read, and it was very intimate and touching. And oh, I think Angie saw that. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was great, and I sometimes I feel like poetry is that way. Like here, mm -hmm. have my journal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> here, read about my life. <laughs> so interesting uh, the things that you keep saying i'm keep drawing parallels to improv yeah honestly um just jumping off of a name on a page chip, mm -hmm. you know uh it's all very similar uh rhyming and slant and 
word counts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so interesting. And then I just don't like poetry. I wonder why. Uh, <laughs> hey, teach yeah. their own. Yeah. But I also feel like um, a lot of people don't. And what we talked about with Rowan the other day was I think they just don't understand it or she, they think they just don't understand it um, or just don't take the time mm. to really uh, look at what poetry actually is. Sure. I mean, they hear like the flowery stuff like roses are red, violets are blue. That's dumb. That's all poetry <laughs> or slam comics or, or slam poets or things like that, which is definitely what I do because mm. um, I did buy my mom this book that bo burnham wrote of poetry <laughs> for mother's day that's awesome it was fantastic yeah that's great no i i i think for me i, ha- I have a love-hate relationship with poetry mm-hmm. like um there are sometimes when i feel like poetry is really pompous like poetry is really full of itself it's one of those art forms that can be like well i have this many you know rhymes and this many lines and this kind of meter and blah 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 and yeah. I'm just like Ugh, get over yourself <laughs> um and <laughs> which is part of why I, I tend to not I tend to stray from the form but sure um, I do the same thing with modern art mm-hmm. yeah you kind of have like you kind of have to put your own spin on it otherwise mm-hmm. it feels a little bit like everything else yeah you know that that saying nothing new under the sun so I think that sometimes like am I just regurgitating stuff that people have already said probably <laughs> it's the human experience but yeah. i also think um i also think maybe people discount like what they have to say so because i was running i was running into this problem um in the initial year when i started writing and i was submitting stuff for publication and mm-hmm. and i was reading works by like chen chen and ocean wong and like these these kind of big name poets who write on sure on like big deals like um, immigration and being people of color and being queer and like, what does that mean for them? Cool. And cool. I was like, okay, well I am, I'm just like a cis white girl. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> what can I say? Like that's who I am. But, but then I was like, okay, well then why am I writing? Like nothing I have to say is important or interesting mm-hmm. to, to people when they're like, when there's interesting work on on important topics out there yeah. like if i were to choose between thalassophile and um, um night sky with exit wounds i mean come on night sky with exit wounds but again sure. that's probably going back to the imposter syndrome thing is like um and so i wonder with people in poetry if if part of their their hesitancy is like well why don't like i don't want to write it because who cares and mm-hmm. I don't want to read it because, like, it doesn't mean anything to me. Does that yeah. make sense? No, I get you, too. Uh, and then uh, being the the white person as well in this day and age, I feel that because uh, for the first 29 years of my life, I was a white person. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I felt like I can't really be a white person anymore. Uh, but I'm also half Latino, so it's like, why don't I just do that? But all of a sudden, there's this big imposter like, I... Yeah, I grew up in like a Latino household, but I've been like literally a white person. Mm-hmm. Like that's how I've acted and how I've accepted rewards from uh, like the entitlements totally onto me because I I can pull off like a certain level of white and um I mean trying to speak with a Latino voice is all of a sudden I I 
I shouldn't be doing it is what I feel like, you <laughs> yeah, know? Totally. Uh, even though, like, my grandma speaks Spanish, like, we ate beans and, you know, rice every day and things like that. But um, it's also, I can't write from that perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, plays or movies or things like that mm -hmm. it's a big pain in the ass totally yeah <laughs> yeah I feel this I mean I feel the same way I'm like okay well you know like here I am writing about this like enchanted childhood where mm -hmm. I got to be the little girl that rode horses and uh and you know getting my education and and living a fairly privileged life like you know I have stuff that's interesting for me to write about yeah, but sure. but when I compare it to like there are people um like let me pull one out. Um, Natalie Centers Zapico, mm -hmm. who lives in El Paso and writes about um, the border between El Paso and Juarez and like what it is to live in these these merging cities. Yeah. Um, you know, that for me, that's like that's something that everyone should be reading. I'm like, uh, <laughs> I don't nobody needs to read about me, me writing about writing. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like also both of us have worked in bookstores. Mm -hmm. There's. I mean, everything under the sun you could think of has been written about and people care about it. Like yeah. there's an audience for everything. And so I've had to, I've had to remind myself that like, you know, I, I may not have like a huge audience, but I have an audience and that's yeah. okay. Like it's fun anyways. <laughs> and if the world is just and everything goes according to plan in 20 years, we'll have fresh perspectives because everyone will be so saturated in <laughs> LGBTQ stuff and like, uh, people of color, you know, poetry and things mm -hmm. like that. And we're like, oh, here's my white person thing. And all of a sudden it's a novelty. It's great. <laughs> hey, I'd be okay <laughs> with that. <laughs> uh, would you like to read another poem? Sure. I'll read one. It's called C. Noun. A vast expanse or quantity of something. A swelling mass of thoughts that seem to control me. An unending to-do list and not enough time with which to actually do it. Mountains of pressure and no relief to be seen. Overthinking and overworking and not saying no to anything because I haven't quite learned how. I know I don't want to be life's doormat, scraped over with souls muddy with injustice, taking the responsibility while the perpetrator gets to leave with their cleanliness. I'm determined not to be buried. And so I have decided that if I am to be used to cleanse, let me be the welling, crashing chaos of an ocean Drowning what attempts to drown me. Nice. I like that one. Thanks. Yeah, it kind of perfectly sums up what we've been talking about the past however long. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's essentially a book about, It's for me, it's essentially a book about imposter syndrome. Okay. It's like, um, it was kind of born out of this idea of like, um, coming to terms with myself and trying to figure out who I want to be. Sure. Um, especially like, uh, when I wrote it, I was about to graduate from college and I was like, okay, well, like now I have to be an adult and take ownership of, of who I am and what I believe and really solidify, like maybe not solidify, like there's room to grow mm -hmm. for the rest of your life, but, but at least like take responsibility for who I am. And so a, a lot of this came out of like, well, who am I? <laughs> sure, yeah. That is like that essential question of, you know what have I, what have I become and how do I want to course correct for the future? Yeah. So that's a lot, that's a lot of what that is, but. Sounds interesting. Where can people get this book? Um, right now it is available at my mom's store, Tideaway Books Revised in Albuquerque. Um, it is also available on Amazon. 
Cool. It's I, I believe it's the only thing titled Thalassophile on there. <laughs> better be. So it's pretty easy to find. Yeah. Um, and then eventually, sometime this summer, I'll be doing an actual tour, and it'll be available at Ooh, yeah. at um, Bookworks, Barnes and Noble, and Page One as well. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And you can just go into Barnes and Noble anytime they get fresh copies, sign that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty cool. cool. We had like big celebrities come in and they would just be like, well, I was in town. I thought I'd come in and sign some things. Oh, okay. Really cool. <laughs> yeah. I like that. <laughs> so just act like you're hot shit and you're fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just go up. I mean, I know exactly where their like little local author section yeah. is. I'll just go up there with my pen and like, you know, sign a few things. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and just go ahead and... um put your book like right in front of the Anaya books. <laughs> you know, bless me ultimate now. Philosophile. Okay. Anaya's been around for a while. Yeah. Like everyone knows <laughs> this guy. I'm gonna <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> You're good. Uh well thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. Sweet.